podcast land. You have such a guy once again to combat sports with Rhino, episode 124. Holy smokes. Our guest going 10 rounds a little bit later on on the program is going to be Invicta Featherweight, Chelsea Chandler. She does a great job doing the 10 rounds. I hope you guys are going to love it just like I did. And we'll check that one out a little bit later on. So our intro and our schedule is as follows. This week's show is going to have our coverage of Katie Taylor versus Amanda Serrano in pro boxing. Our full UFC Vegas 53 breakdown. Drea's world-famous drop of the night. Drea's drop of the night. Picks for <laughs> UFC 274. A Q&A session with members of the Rhino gang. And then the aforementioned Invicta 145-er from the 209. And that's what's up. Chelsea Chandler is latest fighter to go 10 rounds around. So let's go ahead and get our swim trunks and our flippy floppies on and dive right in. So last night from Madison Square Garden, we had the undisputed women's lightweight championship bout between Katie Taylor out of Ireland and Amanda Serrano. This one, you know, rarely, Drea, do fights live up to the hype. And this one certainly did. This was, you know, billed as the greatest women's boxing match of all time. And, oh, my gosh, did these two ladies fucking deliver, dude. From the beginning, it was... Serrano seeming to hit harder and do more damage. Katie doing a great job of countering, being far more accurate. It was a beautiful back-and-forth fight. The only time it came really close to being stopped was by Amanda in the fifth round. She had Katie on skates. She had her back up in the corner. She was smashing her, dude. Somehow Katie Taylor held on. It was an incredibly close back-and-forth fight. Um Again, I thought it definitely could have gone either way. It did end up going a split decision to Katie Taylor. A lot of people are upset about that. I get it. Boxing is a very passionate fan base, has a very passionate mm-hmm. fan base. And so, you know, it, it wasn't to me, there's the word robbery shouldn't even be included in the entirety of this discussion. It wasn't. Um, it was a close fight. You know, some people are going to be mad. Some people are going to be happy. You know what I mean? But what an incredible, let's not get lost on the fact that what an incredible fight, not just because they were female fighters, but they were fighters. You know what I'm saying? Like this mm-hmm. was a great boxing match to showcase the skill set of two fighters, not just two women who box. Right. So great on both of those ladies. Madison Square Garden was lit. The whole place was crazy and incredible atmosphere. But, you know, I love still seeing on Twitter some people being like, boxing's dead. Yeah. <laughs> you can look at the Tyson Fury fight from a, from a couple weeks ago. You look at this fight. Get 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 your ass off your shoulders, man. And it's not going anywhere. And, um, so, yeah, great. Good on, good on all, of, all parties involved on this one, for sure. Let's go ahead and get into USC Vegas 53, which, geez, I'm crow. I, I, I'm surprised it's only 53. It feels like there's been 100,000 of them. But right. we'll go ahead and get started <laughs> off with what was supposed to be a 125-pound match between Tatsiro Tira versus Carlos Candelario. This one was postponed or delayed, I believe, just until next week or the week after. Not next week, but I think the week after. Uh, there was a non-COVID-related medical issue with Candelario. So we will see that one later on down the road. So our first fight was Gina Mazzani versus Shanna Young. Um, Gina Mazzani looked great in the first round. She had a big knee that dropped Shanna Young, but Shanna got right back up. There was some nice takedowns. There was some good punching and some decent kicking in between. And then in the second round, Gina got the takedown, but then Shanna reversed it, took her back, flattened her out, ground and pounded. Nothing like really like devastating, but Mazzani wasn't moving or getting out of position, out of the way. So Shanna Young held position, held the TK, got the TKO in the, in the uh, second round in that one. Moving into our next one, which was Natan Levy versus Mike Breeden. High fucking level shit right here. 
Breeding got the early takedown. There was a beautiful heel hook attempt by Natan Levy that Mike got out of. Natan was like getting really close with those spinning <laughs> wheel kicks, dude. There was two or three of them that came within like an inch or two of Mike's head. Um, both guys really had a gut check throughout the entirety. They both hurt each other. They both had beautiful punches and kicks. And, you know, it was one of those fights that was just, it was exciting from start to finish, even when they both got tired in the third, right? Because Mike in the third, you know, put it on a little bit harder, was moving forward a little bit more, was doing just a little bit more than Natan Levy was physically able to do with his level of exhaustion. So Natan Levy, I thought, clearly won the first two. Mike Breed in the third, giving Natan Levy the UD in that one. Moving into the third fight, which was Gabe Green versus Johan Lanessi, which was at 170 pounds. Early right hand wobbled Gabe. Um, Johan got this, got the nice takedown. In the second round, big right hand landed on uh, that, that drop Gabe, but he got right back up again, had some more grappling exchanges, and then Gabe went on this body shot tear. Johan went back up against the cage. Gabe started hitting a hook, 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 all to the body, dropped Johan Linace down to the ground. Holy smokes, finished him up. Beautiful fucking win for Gabe Green. TKO in the second in that one. Moving into this one, we did not have to wait too long for this. This was... Uh, the 125 pounds had Francisco Figueredo versus Daniel Da Silva. This one was awesome, dude. So like right away, you, and, and it came so fast, right? Like right away, the Da Silva got the takedown. But Figueredo like kind of scooped underneath him, slapped on a knee bar, got the submission in the first round. What an incredible fucking! Submission, dude. I loved it. Holy crap. So then moving into the heavyweight fight, which was our fifth fight on the undercard, which is Alexander Romanov versus Chase Sherman. <laughs> what to say, Drea? What to say about a fight like this? Yeah. Alexander Romanov already, and we talked about it a little bit last week, he's already been dominating everybody. Mm-hmm. But now the dude lost like probably 20 pounds of, of fat and put on extra muscle. He's even stronger. He's in better shape. Chase Sherman had no chance. Went immediately into a takedown, got him down, full mount, ground and pound, slipped it onto an Americana, and submitted him in the first round. Like, come on, dude. <laughs> like, what are you supposed to do? Alexander Romanov is a fucking Moldovian (laughs) problem for Mm -hmm. everybody at 265. So big win for him. Well, I guess. I'm sorry, Chase Sherman, but that was was one way traffic, (laughs) as we like to say. (laughs) So moving into the main card, we had GM3, Gerald Mearshart versus Christoph Jocko. This one did not go the way I had anticipated. I thought Mearshart was going to be able to get him to the ground, you know, find a way to submit him as he often does. But Christoph Jocko was using great footwork. He was sticking and moving. He went in and got a few takedowns and was able to shuck off any submissions that GM3 was throwing up at him. GM3 had a couple of nice lefts that landed on Christoph's face, but Jocko just would, you know, walk through him, get the takedown. Again, Jocko did a great job of being the more active and had a really smart game plan throughout, and Gerald Mershart just couldn't find an answer. So at 185 pounds, our winner by UD was Christoph Jocko to lead off the main card. Our next fight was Darren the Damage Elkins versus Tristan Connolly. <coughs> kind of like the Romanov fight. This was pretty much just Darren Elkins moving forward as he always does, getting takedowns. Tristan Gamely got up several times. He was able to land a little bit on the feet, but when Darren gets you down, it was just ground and pound, ground and pound, submission attempt after submission attempt, ground and pound. Tristan did a great job once he was down there of defending, but he kept on getting taken down, right? The third round was a little bit better. There was a nice, there was a little bit more exchanging on the feet. A left hook cut Conley's eye pretty bad. Then he landed a beautiful inside elbow on Darren, which opened him up even further. 
I don't think I've ever seen a Darren Elkins fight where he wasn't bleeding. Have you, Drea? I, no, I, that's no, pretty no. <laughs> a staple of all of his fights. <laughs> it's like it's like every Ric Flair big match from back in the 80s. You knew yeah. that he was going to bleed, dude. It's like Darren Elkins, no matter what, he's going to get opened up. Um <laughs> Then, you know, then Darren got the takedown, more more ground and pound. It was a very clear-cut UD for Darren Elkins in that one. Moving into Grant Dawson versus Jared Gooden. And you know what's funny about this is I watched the whole fight, and then with like a minute left, I got a phone call from someone who wasn't respecting my, you know, wanting to watch <laughs> the fights. And I missed the RNC originally. So Grant Dawson and Jared Gooden put on a really fun fight. Both back and forth, Grant Dawson kept landing takedowns and heading top control, back control, trying for submissions. But Jared Gordon did a good job of not getting caught. And then I'm like, you know, like midway through the fourth, towards the end of the fourth, I mean, I mean I'm sorry, end of the third, I'm like, I'm like, all right, it's a wrapped up. That's going to be a Grant Dawson, you know, UD. So like I took the call, I turned away, I looked back and I'm like, oh, yeah, rear naked choke. <laughs> like, what? What the <laughs> fuck? There was like, what, 30 seconds left, maybe less? So, Big win for Grant Dawson at 155 over Jared Gordon. Moving into our next fight, which was Andre Touchy-Feely versus Joe Anderson Brito. Didn't have to wait long for this one, did we, Drea? A jab combo followed by a beautiful overhand right. Led to some hammer fist for Joe Anderson. Really took care of Andre Feely quickly. <clears throat> Again, I did not expect that to happen. I thought at worst it was going to be at least like, you know, a long, drawn-out fight between mm -hmm. two very evenly matched guys. Joe Anderson didn't have no time for that, dude. He got in, got business done, and got out of there. Moving into probably my favorite outcome of the night last night, which was Andre Arlovsky versus Jake Collier. Immediately, Jake was looking to go push Andre up against the cage and do some work inside with some dirty boxing and some knees to the legs, maybe slow Andre down some, even though Andre's older than the Rhino and 43 and been fighting since 1935 or something. But Andre Arlovsky... <laughs> was landing the cleaner, more crisp shots. Jake Collier was landing more, you know, the overhand loopy stuff. A lot of it was banging off of Andre's, you know, his fists, his gloves, his wrists, his arms. I, I saw some people really saying that Jake Collier got robbed on this one. I did not see it that way at all. I thought Jake Collier won. I'm going to be, I'm saying right off the bat. Yeah. I thought Jake Collier won two rounds to one over Andre. But again, from a judging perspective, I could see that they saw the cleaner shots being landed, that when Jake did get some takedowns, he didn't do much with them. And one of them was at the very end of a round, right? So Andre did a great job of landing the straight, hard strikes. Jake, more of the looping ones. Jake was more active. And then Jake had more of the grappling advantage. But again, I gave Jake Collier the win. Judges saw it differently. Split decision, Andre Arlovsky, and I love it. I don't care what you say. You're a little equity <laughs> when you get 20 years in the fucking in the cage like like Andre Arlovsky has. You get a little equity in, so it's close. Give it to the guy who's been around for 20 fucking years. That's what I say. So great win for Andre Arlovsky over Jake Collier. Moving into 135 for our main event, we had Rob Font. As we like to say on this show, Rob Font versus Chito Vera. Marlon Chito Vera. Holy smokes. So this one was a fucking roller coaster. So in the first round, Rob was incredibly active and accurate. Jabs, one-twos, body shots, doing a great job. And then, you know what I mean? And then rounds two, three, and four, and I know I'm summarizing here, but holy shit, Chito Vera, man. He was landing huge punches, 
kicked, knocked Rob down in every one of the second, third, and the fourth. Rob was super lumped up, bleeding from his eyes, from his mouth, from his nose. His eye was shut. Chito Vera looked like he barely had a scratch on him. And then mm-hmm. in the fifth round, we, you know, some people were calling for it to be stopped. Rob Font came out there and again outlanded Chito significantly in the fifth round. And he, he was looking good and crisp and still a little wobbly, though. You know what I mean? Like he wasn't, there was no way to, you know, shake off the amount of damage that he had taken. Chito Vera seemed to be having fun in there. It was. Wow. Uh, again, for a five-round fight, for for Rob to have actually outlanded Chito and for them to look as differently as they did, I don't know if I've ever seen that big of a discrepancy. You know what I'm saying, Andrea? For a five-round fight, to have one person look that way and another person look completely the other way, unbelievable. Great performance by Chito Vera, Rob Font, again. He fought really well. He landed a bunch of offense. Just his defense wasn't there. Chito Vera was too much to handle last night. We got a couple questions about that later on in the uh, Q&A sesh. So, wow, good on you, Chito Vera. But Rob Fott, we still love you. Rhino gang, gang, gang. All right, Drea, let's go ahead and get into your world-famous Drea's Drop of the Night. Okay, so my Drop of the Night is going to come from uh, last night's top-rank boxing match between Nico Ali Walsh and Alejandro Ibarra. Uh, In the final seconds of round one, Nico threw this quick left and caught Ibarra, and he followed it up with this bomb of a right hand that dropped Ibarra to the canvas, and the fight was waved off uh, for a round one KO finish for Nico Ali Walsh. Uh, So congrats to Nico Ali. You get my Drea's drop of the night. Hell yeah. A, we stand boxing around here. And then mm-hmm. B, we love definitive finishes and clean KOs. And Ali Walsh, holy smacks, you <laughs> cracked that guy so bad. I sent Dre the video. I'm like, look at Nico Ali Walsh, man. Look at this record right here. She was like, oh, yeah, so that's clean. probably going to do it. <laughs> yeah. So big ups to you, my friend. All right. Let's go ahead and get our main card picks for the Mammoth UFC 274 for next Saturday. I'll start us off. I've got Michael Chandler beating Tony Ferguson up and bad for all three <laughs> rounds. Tony Ferguson loses by UD, so Michael Chandler wins by UD in that one. What about you, Drea? I am exactly the same. I'm going Chandler uh, by extreme unanimous decision. <laughs> we could add that into the lexicon of the yeah. CSWR crew. It's, it's extreme. It's an extreme. <laughs> That's so good. All right, so at a 205, we've got OSP, Open St. Pru. I got him beating Shogun by TKO in the second, and it's probably the last time we're going to see Shogun in the cage. So I got OSP, TKO2 over Shogun. I'm giving it to OSP, but I'm going a unanimous decision for OSP. All righty, moving into 155, two super veterans of the UFC. we got Cowboy Cerrone versus Joe Lozon. I've got Cowboy Cerrone beating Joe Lozon by TKO in the third round. That's TKO three for Cowboy in that one. What about you, future play, Andrea? I am with you as far as it being Cerrone, but I'm going unanimous decision. I think it's going to go the whole fight, but Cerrone is just going to outpoint him throughout the fight. Gotcha. Then moving into our first belt on the line, 115 pounds, we have Rose Nama Yunus versus Carla Esparza. I... I think Carla Esparza is way overmatched. I don't think there's any chance of her winning besides some sort of crazy sub, you know, pulling off. But I've got Rose winning by unanimous decision. Very clear cut. Not extreme, but a clear cut. Unanimous decision in that one. What about you? I co-sign on that. I am going Rose Namajunas uh, as well by UD. 
And then this one, I've got to go with the brain over the heart on this one. I've got Charles Oliveira beating Justin Gaethje by submission via triangle choke in the fourth round. That's the fourth round submission, triangle choke for Charles Oliveira over Justin Gaethje. But I would very gladly be wrong. I like both guys a lot, to be honest, but I love Justin Gaethje. So I would like to see Justin get the upset, but I think it's going to be Charles Oliveira. What about you? Tough one for me. I love them both as well, but I'm going to disagree with you. I am going Justin Gaethje. Uh, I think he's going to finish him. I'm going to TKO in round four. Well, I certainly hope you're right. That would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> we shall oh, see. Go ahead. Oh, I just said we shall see. Oh, we shall see. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Um, so Drea beat me last week and we tied last night. So the belt is still over with Drea. So we'll see how we do uh, upcoming on UFC 274 with our picks. All yeah. right. Now let's go ahead and get into our Twitter questions. Our first one comes from the homie of the Rangers Sweet Potato. RSP, what do you got from over there and up in Canada way, my dude? We've all been on the losing side of a game, a match, or a bout, but not many of us have experienced having to watch a training partner lose. What does it feel like to see someone that you have helped prepare for a fight end up on the losing side of a fight? It depends on how you feel about them personally, to be honest. like the level. Right. It always sucks. But if it's somebody you actually were in camp with, and that is actually your friend, like that you actually, you know, you like spending time with and you're glad is your teammate and stuff. It's, it's awful, dude. Um, and, and you know what even sucks worse, Dre, is like when you know firsthand that your teammate is better than what they performed like. Yeah. When you know that, like, fuck, this guy's got a great left hand and then he doesn't throw his left hand hardly at all in the fight. Or this guy's top control is incredible, but he doesn't have any, you know, he doesn't ever use it in the fight. So those are incredibly frustrating. Um, The example I thought of was I had a teammate who had a full six-week camp. Now, you know, a lot of gyms, especially when you're starting out early, you know, either early in your Amis or even early in the pros, it's a lot of late notice stuff. But this this dude, my teammate at the time years ago, had a full six-week camp. Everything was looking great. You know, I was I was tuning him up in boxing every day. He was doing a great job with the submission game. His cardio was, was amazing. He was shredded, like, more than he'd ever been. We were all so – he felt confident, right? He was relaxed. Everything was on point. And then we get into the fight. I was, I was one of the corners. I wasn't the chief second, but I was the other one. And he gets taken down immediately, mounted, ground and pound out in, like, 30 seconds. Now, that was pretty fucking rough, dude, because for five days a week, for six weeks, we were all focused on him, right? You know, it was his pro debut. And, you know, I think he was like five and two as an AMI or something. So he had a good amateur record. And again, he just got fucking run through. And it was like (laughs) devastating for all of us, right? Because we all like him. He was a real great guy. And so, yeah. That really sucked. Um, I have had teammates who I didn't particularly care for their personality, which, you know, you still support and cheer for, but if they lose, you're kind of like, meh, you know, you're not really, <laughs> you're like, eh, yeah. Eh, sorry, it sucks. Sorry. You know? Um, and then someone has asked me before, like, is it worse? Cause I've heard, you know, different things over the course of uh, my time in fighting. Is it worse to watch a friend lose or you lose it? It's worse for yourself to lose, man, because then you only have yourself to blame. If you mm-hmm. look at somebody else's thing, you're like, Oh, well, you know, I wish I did. I could have done better. I wish they would have done better. This, I wish the cardio coach would have done this or the nutrition coach or whatever. You know, when, if it's somebody else losing, you can kind of disperse the blame some, right. But when you lose, right. 
it, you blame the, the spotlight goes directly on yourself. You know what I mean? And so that's yeah. it's way worse. Like it's way worse. So RSP, great question, my dude. All right, Dre, let's get into our second one. This comes from my home with the doc. Doc, what do you got this week, brother? Massive pay-per-view this Saturday. Who is your supersonic upset special? Yeah, man, big, big pay-per-view this weekend and look super looking forward to it. So, <laughs> first of all, I love that you, this is like the second time you've referenced the mm-hmm. supersonic upset <laughs> Um, I don't think, this one isn't a, a supersonic upset special because these are like, if you look at this card top to bottom, these are some fantastic matchups. Mm-hmm. Like the matchmaking on this is really, really good. They're all, they all should be very competitive. Um, but here's my upset special. So I'm taking away the supersonic. This is just my upset special. My guy, Francisco Trinaldo, is going to beat Danny Roberts. Danny Roberts is much younger, faster, more athletic, more explosive than Francisco. But I think old man strength and experience are going to be on display this coming Saturday. So I've got my upset special for Francisco Trinaldo over Danny Roberts in that one. So that's who I'm going with. Doc, thank you so much for asking that question, my dude. All right, let's get into my homie, Brian, from the Holman Sale. Brian, what do you got this week, Holster? As we all saw the damage <clears throat> that Rob Font took last night, do you think he needs to majorly adjust his fight style moving forward? No, dude. I think his fight style is what got him into the dance to begin with, right? That's what got him to be a top-tier 135-er. I-, I think his offense was phenomenal last night. The, 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 the hole or the things that need to get shored up are obviously on the defensive end, right? Chito Vera, again, is an incredible uh, striker, and he's, he's a very hard striker for 135. Like, they even pointed it out. He has more knockouts than I think anybody else at 35 or the second most or whatever. So he, he's an incredibly strong striker. Rob Font is a very good striker who has, uh, you know, his Muay Thai is what got him there. He is extremely skilled. He is a really good fighter. I think he's still definitely top eight at bantamweight and i definitely want to see him come back with the same style or at least very similar to offensively moving forward triple quadruple jabs you know jab one two hooks to the body uh rob font is a very good stand-up fighter and he's very good moving forward offensively i think the only thing is that he needs to adjust her defensively i really do so that is a great question holster uh thank you very much my dude all right, it's going to do our homie, the motorcycle red madman and proud new grandpa, Dean Dog. Congratulations to you and your family, big man. All right, what do you got this week, my brother? When we see a fighter that takes as much... Oh, sorry, just read that one. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. It's okay. Oh, wait. No, it's almost a, it's just a similar They're question. similar questions, so yeah, I can see the confusion. I thought I would yeah. read the same question again. Okay, so when we... <laughs> fighter that takes as much damage as Rob Font did last night, does it help or hurt their value uh, from booking fights to a fan base? Curious on your thoughts. So it hurts the value somewhat, um, especially as like the rankings go. And then possibly from some fan perspectives, you know how much damage they took because literally you would never know by looking at them who landed the more strikes, right? Um, But Rob Font, to, to me, again, is a fantastic offensive fighter and will remain remain one right i think he won two of the five rounds right so if you if you're not talking about like oh my god you know he was one-way traffic he got run over he didn't rob did not get run over by cheeto he just took way more damage and Cheeto's strikes that were landing were far more devastating than rob's rob was still throwing good hard stinging shots and landing very high rate and having a really high output so 
for those of us who watched it, the optics are 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 not good, right? Because he took so much more and was wearing so much more. But mm-hmm. he put on a very fun fight. He was in his face the whole time. He kept moving forward. Even when he got knocked down, he came back up. So I don't think he loses much from the fan perspective. Probably a little bit from the rankings, right? No, you know, no big deal on that one. But I, I think Rob is still, again, I think he's still a top-tier Bantamweight. I think he still is going to be a valuable member at 135 in the mix, of that top five, six, seven, eight guys. And I look forward to seeing him come back, dude. I don't think he's lost too much stock at all. Um, and, again, a lot of it will be kind of, you know, we're we'll have to look and see what happens next. You know, his next fight, how he looks. You know, is he able to bounce back from the, you know, from the damage that he took? So I have, we have some questions that still have yet to be answered in his next one, but I'm still riding with Rob Font, dude. I still think he's a very top tier 135er. So Dean Dog, once again, congratulations to your family, and definitely, definitely love that question, my dude. Thank you so much, my motorcycle riding madman. All right, Dre, we're gonna get into our voice questions. Our first one comes from the homie, Ty, the Fly Guy. Ty, what do you got this week, dude? Hey, Rhino, it's Ty, the Denver Broncos fanatic. So ESPN Plus has celebrated 100 uh, fight nights. Something I've noticed, though, is that there haven't been any title fights on these fight night cards. Do you believe there's a reason for it? Do you think the UFC is just straight away from it? And if they were ever to do a title fight for a fight night card... What would be the ideal weight class for them to do it at? Or if you have a title fight in mind, what would it be? Let me know what you think. Love the show. And I'll catch you on the flip side. Peace. Yeah, homie. I think for them to justify pay-per-views and the pay-per-view pricing, they have to keep the title shots on the pay-per-views as opposed to the fight nights. <clears throat> as far as like what, I, what title fights I would like to see headline fight nights now, I would like to see, first of all, I would like to see the institution of either or both women's 105, which is Adam weight, or men's 165, right? It'd be a great way to give some shine to some new weight classes and then maybe lend some star power to the fight night cards, which often could really use them. You know what I mean? Like fight nights, while sometimes they've got some great matchups, and again, we get surprised by some of the undercard stuff, they really usually lack some star power at the top. You want to tell me that we don't add a 101? And I, we, like I work in the UFC. <laughs> if the UFC doesn't add women's 105 and men's 165, that we couldn't maybe, I don't know, push those as title fights on the fight nights. You know what I mean? The off pay per views, that would be a great way to add more of, you know, eyes to maybe add a little bit more special sauce to the fucking card, to the flavor of it, where we all kind of maybe more and more excited, right, to get into it on a fight night. So, yeah, that's what I would like to see, Ty. So that is my answer on that one, my Broncos-loving homie. All right, let's get into our homie Juice from the Friendly Sparring Pod. Juice, what do you got, sweet dude? Hey, what's up, Rhino? I'm not going to introduce myself since you always do before you play the questions anyway. So anyone listening, you already know who this is. Uh, how about my girl Katie Taylor last night? Haters can say what they want, cry robbery, but there's only one fucking, well, three decisions that really matter. It's the the judges on the night. My question for you is about a fight that's on the early prelims for UFC 274. Ariane Carnalosi versus our girl Lupi Godinez. Now... Lupi has had great success by generally being stronger than her opponents. Ariane Carnalosi 
is buff as hell. Seriously, we should call on USADA. How do you see this matchup going? So, yeah, bro, Loopy versus Ariane is a really fun matchup, and it was fun to break down. Loopy is like the queen of late notice step up, and she is scrappy as fuck. Ariane is a mini tank who can beat you standing or on the ground. Besides the loss to Angela Hill, which was by doctor stoppage, you know, via cut, uh, Ariane has not lost in eight years. Unfortunately for Loopy, whom I love, I think it is a fairly, I think it's going to be a fairly even first round. Loopy's going to be on her toes, sticking and moving. And I think Ariane is going to be kind of, you know, trying to cut her off. But I think rounds two and three are going to be Ariane pushing Loopy up against the cage, implementing dirty boxing, knees to the body, knees to the fucking thighs, and, her, and then some takedowns. I think it's going to be all Ariane in rounds two and three, giving her a UD over Loopy in that one. But I'm really looking forward to it. You know, I love Loopy, but yeah, I think it's Ariane. Is going to win that matchup for sure. So that is going to be the end for Juice's question. Juice, uh, thank you so much for asking. And, of course, check out Juice and Lee with the Friendly Sparring Pod. Too much fun over there with my dudes. All right, let's get to our last voice question, which comes from our homie D-Crons. D-Crons, what do you got this week, homie? Hey, hey, Rhino, Drea, Rhino gang, what's up? Uh, that was a fun night of fights. I sure hope Font heals up. That was a rough night at the office. Uh, Rhino, I just wanted to ask you about uh, the UFC's treatment of <laughs> Chase Sherman. Uh, you know, cut and come back, you know, released again, fought his way back, only to face Romanoff. And um, I was just wondering what you think the UFC's motivation for doing that is and how do you feel about the fighter treatment? Love you. Can't wait to listen to the show, Rhino. Gang, gang, gang. Yeah, dude, not good. <laughs> Chase is now one in five in his last six. <clears throat> I know this was kind of late replacement. I I'm hoping that they, they at least gave him a decent payday, right? Um, when you have to go against someone like Romanov, that's that's a scary thing, especially on you know pretty short notice. Especially, I guess he was sick last week, so he's probably not in the the best of health. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I can't really put any blame on the UFC for their treatment of him because you know as a fighter, you've got to sign on the dotted line. You've got to go in and fight. You can always say no. You know what I mean? And so he he put himself in that position and he got run through, which happens. So I don't know if it's really the UFC's you know fault in any way. I think it's Chase Sherman. Um, you know, he, he had to know what he was getting into, and he did. And again, I hope they gave him at least a decent payday for going against somebody like Romanov, who's, my gosh, is that guy scary. So D-Crons, thank you very, very much, my dude. Hope you have a great week. And let's go ahead and get into our Drea. Let's go ahead and get into our intro with our 10 rounds with Chelsea Chandler, Invicta Featherweight, fighting this coming 11th, which is just 10 days from now. After a quick word from our proud sponsor, K&R Designs. Hey, Rhino Gang. Are you looking for a piece of furniture to tie the room together? Maybe make it feel a little bit more homey? How about a beautifully restored dresser for the bedroom or an end table for the family room? We'll look no further than my good friends at K&R Designs. You got a piece of furniture that needs restoration? They got you covered. Looking for a new addition to your home decor that's already been beautifully done? They got you there, too. We're talking dressers, armoires, kitchen tables, cabinets, nightstands, 
any and all wood furniture you can think of, they've got or can get for you. So check out K&R Designs in-store at 101 West Chicago Boulevard in Tecumseh, Michigan, or on their website, knrcustomdesigns.com. Check out their Facebook page, K&R Home Deco, that's D-E-C-O, to see everything they have and the amazing work that they can do. You can also call and order at 517-605-7173. They accept PayPal, Venmo, Square, Cash, Check. They accept them all. So if you want the absolute best of the best and restorative wood furniture creators, you got to check out K&R Designs. Tell them you're a member of the Rhino Gang, and that'll get you 20% off your very first purchase. Once again, check out K&R Designs, Combat Sports with Rhino's proud sponsor. Oh, fight fam, we got ourselves another fantastic guest going 10 rounds of Rhino this week. Out of the 209, Stockton, California, Invicta Featherweight, Chelsea Chandler is going to go 10 rounds of runner today. Chelsea, thank you so much for taking the time today, my friend. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm pretty excited. Uh, we're super stoked to have you on as well. So, Chelsea, with the 10 rounds of Rhino, the first round is always the same for all of our fighters. We love to know the background story. So what's the origin story about how you first got involved in this crazy, wacky world of MMA? Um, so basically my dad went to Thailand to get in shape and then he thought it was a good idea to have my whole family go out there for the summer. And, uh, I decided to take off a year from college and I fought out there, lived there for a year, came back, finished school. And then I started training here in Stockton, um, and, uh, haven't looked back since. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, your next fight is May 11th at Invicta Fight FC 47 in Kansas City. You're you're matched up with Courtney King. I'm not familiar with her as a fighter. What, what if anything, do you know about her and what she brings to the table? Um, so she's pretty durable. I mean, she, she takes damage and she doesn't stop coming forward. Uh, I kind of explain her style as kind of dorky. You know, she's smiling the whole time. She's throwing these weird punches that you really, it's hard to train for. And um, I just, I see a, a action-packed fight where I'm going to dominate everywhere. The ground, standing, um, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, dude. Now, so your whole career has been under the Invicta umbrella. I mean, we have, I've had a lot of Invicta fighters on the show. I'm a big proponent of WMMA um, what does Invicta mean to you just from your perspective? What do you think the promotion Invicta kind of means to Chelsea Chandler and the women's MMA overall? Uh, you know, Invicta is an amazing platform and, you know, even talking to Leslie Smith who, who fought for them and then she went to the UFC, she said when she fought for the UFC, it, it kind of was like the same thing, you know, it's still a big show. They get you ready for the bigger shows and, uh, they take, they take care of you. You know, they give us a, a gift bag. They make sure they have someone doing our hair. Um, they, they do a lot of stuff that the other promotions, you know, fail to do or just they just don't know that they should do it because they haven't been in business as long. You know, Invicta just I think they had their 10 year anniversary. So Shannon Knapp is doing great things with Invicta. And um, I consider it the best uh, woman show on the planet, especially giving everybody the opportunity you know to fight especially back then when there really weren't opportunities for women like shannon has done that and she still continues to do it to this day 
hundred percent, dude. Now, Stockton, California, your hometown, that was really put on the map, or at least the MMA map, by the Scrap Pack and more specifically the Diaz brothers, right? But obviously, when you have superstardom like that that comes out of a town, and Stockton's not a huge place, but when it comes out of a town like that where everyone loves to associate MMA with your town, have you seen a progression or an interest really kind of explode uh, there, let's just say, in the last maybe eight or ten years? Um. Yeah, you know, Stockton, I mean, I went to school in Miami um, for college and I came back home and Stockton, it really is, in my opinion, it's kind of boring. You know, there's really not a ton of options for you to do or to go places in life. So fighting, you can go to the gym every day, you know, you're not getting wrapped up in the bad things and um, it's a, it's a great outlet. And especially when I feel like Stockton doesn't have a ton of opportunities to just do a bunch of, you know, things that make a difference in the world. I think it does have that, that, uh, the talent for MMA, you know, and fighting and has the opportunities in that. So, um, yeah, kind of went a little weird with that question. But, <laughs> no, uh, it's totally fine. I think we're picking, I think we're picking up what you're, what you're trying to say. Absolutely. It just, uh, that there's not a ton of opportunity there for other outlets. And so a lot of people have kind of focused on MMA being that it has kind of a, such a bright light put on it. And we're seeing a lot of great things come out of that town, which is awesome. You're, yourself included. And we're all super stoked to watch you on the, on the 11th. I'll be cage side, by the way, for that wow. one, which I'm looking forward to. Oh yes, ma'am. So if you were to look ahead five years from now, Charles, I know it's hard to do, but just kind of, you know, you know, people use vision boards and people just kind of have, have five year plans, if you will. But you were to kind of think about, in five years, where would you like to see your career, your career, um, kind of where would it be at about five years from now? Um, so when I started fighting, um, you know, I had, I had all these plans and I still have all these plans, but I, I feel like looking at it in such a big five year, six year, seven year plan, it's, it's kind of hard to do because you know, fighting, it's not like a regular job where you say, oh, I'm going to be the CEO in five years or I'm going to I'm going to have this job. You know, fighting is is so related to your training and and your body. So I've been injured a couple times, big injuries, and it's kind of put a, a hamper on things. Yeah. So for me, just, you know, planning and saying, OK, this fight, this is going to lead me to this and it's going to lead me to that having many goals has always been better for me than thinking I should be here in five years. You know, every day I think I should be in the UFC. I should be there already. So thinking about it five years in the future, you know, I'd like it to be sooner and just setting goals and knowing that I'm going to get there, I think is better than saying, Oh, I see myself here in five years. You know what I mean? I got, yeah, yeah, no, I absolutely do. And it's funny that, um, when I turned professional, I said, I'm only going to fight for five years. Like that was my thing. I'm going to fight for five years of as many fights as I want to. And it ended up being a 13 year pro career and I'm a mess. So, I, <laughs> so we can't exactly plan out how things are going to go on there. Right. But I, I hear exactly what you're saying. So this is a hard question that I've been kind of, um, I've instituted it into the 10 rounds, maybe the past seven, eight weeks with the fighters. And it's really hard for some fighters to answer. And so don't, you know, don't get flustered if it's one of them you're like, I really don't know if there isn't anything. It's that if you weren't fighting, if you weren't in the fight world, what do you think you'd be doing career-wise? 
Uh, well, I have a, a degree. I went to University of Miami. I, I double majored in business law, business management, and I have a minor in English. So, um, you know, fighting right now is is the top priority. And I probably for the next five to 10 years, it will be the priority, you know. Um, but I have other outlets and other things I could do. Um, I'm not, I'm not worried that I couldn't get a job if I needed, but you know, I've never seen myself as a person who's just going to sit at a desk and do a nine to five job. Um, I don't like doing that. Um, I like to have goals and I like when things are different every day. So, um, you know, managing a business or things like that, uh, I think are, things I could do. And, and we also just opened up our own gym here in Stockton. So managing that, um, is also, you know, something I could lie back on. So I'm not really too worried about my future outside of fighting. Um, but right now my priority is fighting. Absolutely. Now there is a, uh, (laughs) there's, there's, this is a fun one that I always like to get into with the fighters and that's away from training away from the whole fight world just i know we don't often have a lot of time for this but when it's time to really just relax have some fun wind down a hobby whatever you're into what are some things you like to do away from the fight world to kind of ease your mind and relax uh okay so i like to hunt you know i grew up as a tomboy hunting um i really enjoy doing that i haven't been able to do it that often because right now i do live breathe and eat fighting Right. So, um, well, I mean, when I'm on the weekends or something, I sometimes like to go just to the movies to relax, you know, and watch a, a long movie or things like that. But I live a pretty boring life. I don't drink. Um, I don't, you know, I don't do none of that stuff. So, uh, just things that are calm, I guess, just, I just chill at home. I train full time and, and that's about it. Totally fair. Totally fair on that one. This is one that I like to ask uh, when we have uh, WMMA fighters on, and that's we've seen a huge shift in the last you know several years as far as uh, an influx of lots more uh, female UFC fighters, not just in the UFC, but across the entire landscape of MMA. I feel like for, for a lot of it, the respect from the general MMA fans has gotten much better. Um, but again, that's for me from the outside as a fan looking in, do you think the respect level for WMMA has improved over the past few years? Or do you still feel like it has a long way to go? Um, in terms of respect, you know, um, I think there's always going to be those chauvinistic men that are like women shouldn't fight. But at the end of the day, when you watch fights, me personally, and I think a, a lot of people have this opinion, you watch the women fight and you watch the men fight and the women don't hold back. And the men, I think sometimes, you know, they they just fight. They fight like pussies. They don't want to do this or they don't want to do that. And the women, they just they just go at it. So I, I think in terms of um, exciting fans or making people want to watch, I think women have the ability to captivate an audience and you know don't get me wrong some men can too but um i think women always have like good fights most of the time gotcha so round nine chelsea is one that almost everybody loves and this is this is going to be probably pretty easy for you it's easy for me for sure but once you have already done the weight cut you have already done all of the media you've done all the things you need to do lead up to a fight 
You've had the fight. You've won the fight. It's time to go out and have, you know, have the whatever you want to eat. I mean, no more restrictions. You can really indulge. What are you going to get to eat and where are you getting it from? <laughs> this is a funny question. So um, sometimes when I see these fighters like cut this weight and then I, I see them go and eat this big donut or something, it kind of makes yeah. me like, a little nauseous. You know, um, <laughs> I, I eat pretty healthy and and because I've been like so low carb like the last week of the of um, the weight cut, I'm not finishing the fight saying oh i i need this donut or i need this this you know this pasta or something it's actually really weird to explain but i'm not hungry for like a week or two so i kind of have to force myself to eat because i don't know the adrenaline dump um the happiness uh it's just it's really hard it takes like a week for me to get my appetite back wow now that is a first <laughs> yeah and it doesn't make you weird it makes you unique and that's a unique experience unto you and that's very cool and i appreciate you sharing that with us so we have careened our way into the easiest round of them all chelsea the 10th round with rhino it's just your social media share your socials with us so we and everybody else in the rhino gang listening we can all follow along and kind of keep tabs on you on your career moving forward my friend okay my instagram is chelsea chand uh 209 uh, Twitter, Instagram, yeah, they're about the same. And uh, yeah, that's where you can find me. Excellent. We are all super stoked. This will be my first Invicta in person that I've gone to. So yeah, they're, uh, Invicta 47, which is going to be in Kansas City coming up on May the 11th, which is a Wednesday, which is super cool. So let's all make sure we check that out. Give her a follow on both of her social medias. Chelsea, we really appreciate you taking the time today. Can't wait to watch you compete at Invicta 47. Thank you for having me. This is Chelsea Chandler, and I just went 10 rounds with Rhino. Thank you very much, Chelsea, for taking the time. I know when it's fight camp, it's it's hectic, and for even just taking a few minutes out to uh, go 10 rounds with, we certainly appreciate it, and very good luck to you on the 11th. I will be there. All right, let's go to give us our shout-outs and our outros to our forum contributors, to Ty the Fly Guy, to Juice from the Friendly Sparring Pod, to my homie the Doc, to the Rage of Sweet Potato, to Brian from the Holman Sale, to the Motorcycle Ride Madman and proud new grandpa, the Dean Dog, to our homie D. Kranz, to Monica, Chrissy, Katie, Jillian, and Jason, my underdog MMA fam, to all the ladies of the PRG, to Cyrus King, Marquise from Week Sauce Radio, from Jessica from the What's Up Weirdo Pod, to our girl Ashley from the Silo Pod, Mike Morgan from Shots Fired, Chris from Unmatched MMA, my beloved Rhino Gang GC, gang, 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 to the feature player, Andrea, to the best engineer in the biz, D. Reigns, to the Einstein of Rabbit Design, Dave Fretz, another incredible poster this week. I can't wait for you guys to check it out. Oh, my gosh, it's so good. <laughs> I hope everybody has a good week, both in and out of work. Get, you know, get in contact with someone you haven't talked to in a while. Reconnect, as always and forever. Love is greater than hate, and we will see you next week. Kate Sun!